Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, Five Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. Sorry about that. Just wanted to get things set up and going tonight. So tonight's an important topic uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, we're going to be discussing communicating uh, with college coaches, and that can mean a lot of different things. The reason we chose that topic topic specifically uh, is because there's some very important dates coming up, um, specifically September 1st, and what that means um, for high school juniors. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're also, um, you know, going to talk about a lot of things, the timing in which you reach out to coaches, um, how to act for when talking to coaches and, and communication obviously is a very um, important part of the recruiting process. And so that's why we wanted to talk about it. Um, we have two guest speakers tonight, um, Coach Bray and Coach Pew. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves here real quick and we'll get going? Don, you go first. For sure. How's everybody doing? Can you hear me, Case? Yep, gotcha. Awesome, guys. Uh, excited to be on this. Um, I'm a college coach at College of the Desert. Uh, before that, I helped recruiting at Wabash, Wabash Valley. Uh, I've done recruiting for a lot of years, and uh, hopefully we can help some people uh, learn some new things here. Great. Coach Pugh? Yep. What's up, everybody? I hope you're having a great night tonight. I'm excited to be on. Uh, for this space and, and this topic. Uh, my name is Brian Pugh. I spent 20 years uh, as a college coach. The last 10 years of my career were at the Division One level at Temple University and George Mason University. Uh, so I have been on hundreds, um, even thousands of these phone calls with Facebook about this and, and share because how you communicate with college coaches is extremely, extremely important. Yes, absolutely. So we'll, 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 we'll dive right in. Um, Coach Bray and I were actually talking about um, a very important date uh, that's coming up here, September 1st, and what that means um, specifically for high school juniors. So, uh, you know, Coach Bray, we talked about it a lot earlier, but maybe you could go into a little bit of detail of what that September 1st date means. And then Coach Pugh, if you want to come in and, and, and kind of experience um, you know, when you were coaching Division One baseball, um, you know, what that date meant for your coaching staff. But, Coach Bray, if you can go ahead and dive in and, and let us know what, uh, you know, these September 1st uh, recruiting restrictions that are being lifted are. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously, guys, the exact rule, you know, September 1st is exactly when, of your junior year, is when college coaches uh, can start, you know, sending out uh, electronic correspondence, basically. So emails, text messages faxes any other type of recruiting the other thing september 1st is huge for is you can start taking official visits to schools um you know that that's going to be huge for recruiting as well and then you know your unofficial visits also can come at this time as well obviously they'll set up with the athletic department uh and meeting the coach on the campus but september 1st of your junior and that's for division one baseball um you know and then the rules a little different for division two II, division three that date will be july 15th of your uh, sophomore year instead. Yeah, and Coach Pugh, if you wouldn't mind, what did that date mean for you guys? What kind of things were you getting ready to send out to, to juniors? 
Um, and, and, and what did that date mean for you, you guys as a coaching staff? Sure. And, and again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that, that date, obviously, that has changed um, since when I first started coaching. It used to be July 1. Um, they have changed that at this point um, to September 1. But what that means and what that meant for us is um, it, it was a transition from how we could, when we could communicate with prospects, with players and families that we felt were a good fit for our program. Um, the change is, is that Division One coaches can actively, they can initiate text conversation, they can initiate phone conversation uh, versus relying on the player or maybe even a third party to initiate that and set the whole thing up. So um, it really just opened up Pandora's box, if you will, as far as um, the type of contact that, that was permitted. That was the biggest thing. And I, and I think that uh, with that date, everybody was just chomping at the bit because um, when I say everybody, coaches were chomping at the bit because you were just waiting for the date where you could send a player, you could send a family or a parent a text, you could call them and set up a phone call versus relying on everything being on the family side of things. Yeah, no, that that's all great. What kind of correspondence would you guys send out? Obviously, you had your high-level recruits that you wanted to go after, guys that were on the list where you're like, hey, when this date comes, we're going to start recruiting this guy. But was it an, also another an opportunity to maybe try to discover new new players through camps or through, you know, events maybe, maybe you'll, you would be attending? Like, could, should players maybe expect to start getting invited to college camps for the first time as a result of this date as well? I think that they can. Um, I think that still the traditional and the most effective way that coaches communicate about camps, especially, is through email. But I think for us that we've seen over the summer, especially because because that's where we are right now. When you think about it, yeah, a college coach that goes down to a PBR or a perfect, perfect game event in Georgia, and they're floating around the East Cobb Complex, the the um, the Lake Point Complex. Think about how many games they see uh, during the course of a week. Think about how many players they see during the course of a week. And just guys that maybe they catch their eye enough for them to put a little mark next to their name on a roster where you, you caught my eye enough. I, I liked something that I saw. So, um, yes, we still use the traditional, traditional email um, where um, – the uh, we'll call it a, a vast majority of players got that email, but then for myself or somebody else that was on the staff to follow up and say, and this is when you start to know when it's a personalized email um, uh, or a text message at the same time, when you start getting those messages that say, Hey, Tommy, I saw you down at PBR two weeks ago, you were pitching against so-and-so Um it, 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 like they start to get into details about when and where they saw you. It was raining. It was hot, whatever it might be. You know, we, you, you toughed it out through that lightning delay, whatever it might be. And they say, so you start getting into personalized messages at that point. And that's how you know that it is a personalized message versus just a, a, a generic email. Both, um, and I've used both uh, methods, um, but those players that maybe jumped on the radar a little bit late or that you saw a little bit later uh, in, in the summer, 
yes, you use personalized messages. And that's what that, 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 that date of September 1st does is it allows you to send those personalized messages um, about whatever it might be. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's great stuff. So, Hey, high school juniors, you know, be, be ready to maybe start receiving some, some communication, whether that email, a text message, a DM, whatever that is. Um, after September 1st, you can start being contacted electronically. That's overall what that, that rule means. So the other side of that is how are you now prepared to talk to a college coach? Um, coach Bray, we talked about this earlier today of things not only are there things that you should say and you should ask, but let's talk about the things that you shouldn't say or the, or the way that you shouldn't speak to a coach. Because I know being junior college coaches, we, we, we get that a lot. But what are some advice? You're, you're, you're getting your first email. You know, you're getting your first emails you've ever gotten from Division One schools. You're getting text messages. What are some things that we shouldn't do when we're responding to college coaches? Yeah, I think um... – you know, the, the biggest thing that kids need to understand and or young men, I should say, is just that you want to be professional as possible. You know, uh, you know, don't be casual, you know, don't answer a text, be like, hey, man, or, you know, don't, you know, don't swear, you know, be as professional as possible. You know, you want to really represent yourself and, you know, represent the program you're coming from or things like that. Um, you know, another one I get a lot is, uh, you know, people you know, expecting to get answers back right away. You know, when you're talking to a college coach, understand that, you know, if you're emailing them that, you know, you know, big colleges, I mean, they get probably 500 emails a day. You know, you don't know if that coach is teaching a class. You don't know if that coach has other things going on. So don't expect answers right away. Understand that we have a lot of things going on as well. Um, but, you know, be professional and, you know, really, the, I think the the best advice I can give is just, you know, give research smart answers, you know, you know, Hey, you know, how's your season going? How's your summer going? You know, how are things going? You know, understand like how you should respond, not just, Oh, it's fine. I did this or, you know, but, you know, be excited to have the conversation, be upbeat, show the coach that you really want to be a part of what they have going on. Yeah, that's, that's very good. And before we switch into things that we should say and we should ask, I just want to add on to that. We, we, you know, as coaches, I know we've all gotten that text message. What up, man? What up, bro? You know, and it's like, that's not how you talk to a coach. You know, regardless of the coach's age, that coach can be right out of playing. He, he, he could be very similar to your age. If he's your coach, he's your coach. And um, so remember that. And you need to approach this like it's a job interview. Every coach that's talking to you could potentially be interviewing you because they want you to comply at their school. You need to act as a professional. You know, they have X amount of scholarships that they can offer. You want to be one of the guys that they offer it to. It starts with just acting professional and being polite and having well thought out answers and well questions. And don't talk to them like they're your friend or your teammate because they're not. They're your coach. So remember that. I think that's the number one mistake I see sometimes is just how casually players talk to coaches like they're their teammates you know like a a player coach relationship is much different than a player player relationship and you know what you might hear your coaches talking to each other like that I might say hey coach Bray what's up man how was your weekend but he's another coach you know what I mean so it's different the relationship is 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 different across the board so it's with talking professionally um, and having well thought out questions and, and, and things to say. And maybe that can lead us into our, our, our next thing, uh, Coach Pugh. What, what were some good questions or what were when you were reaching out to players 
what do you what kind of things do you want in in, in in the answers whether it's acting professionally or certain questions to ask or or anything else along those lines yeah that, that's a great question casey and and honestly with with the way that this all works now um <clears throat> nine times out of ten um i always go and and i'm setting up the phone call in advance it, it could be an hour in advance it could be two days in advance but either way that gives the family the young man a chance to prepare for it and 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 it's not a cold call those days of cold calls are done um so it's you never get caught off guard as a as a recruited student athlete as a prospective student athlete um if you know far enough in advance that you're going to have a phone call with a coach, I take 10 minutes and, and just do a little bit of research and have an idea of where that school is. Have an idea if they have an academic program that you're interested in. Ha know what conference they play in, whether it be a power five conference, whether it be a mid-major conference, whether it be a division three conference, whatever it might be, know what conference they play in. Just base level research. Um, but I think my biggest thing was always, um, and, and going back to the previous, previous question was how did that young man engage with me right out of the gate? Because he knew I was calling. How did he engage with me? And if the engagement was, we'll call it so-so, then my reaction was so-so. And regardless of where he stood on the recruiting board, um, it, it, it might drop him down just a little bit. Whereas somebody that was in the middle of our recruiting board, and it's almost like we were looking for a reason. Uh, just give me something that separates this young man from somebody else. And get on the phone and you have a really great conversation with that young man or with the family and the young man. It's like, as a coach, it, it, it's almost like you sit and, and before, but it's like you sit in a steakhouse and you're trying to figure out what cut of meat you want. And you watch the servers come by with all the different cuts and you're, that are cooked, and you're like, man, that looks really good. Or I'm really like, I'm going to go with that one. So I think that um, it's not about, it's less about, what you ask, it's less about, it's more about how engaged you are. You could ask the, the I hate to say this because, because this is a bad way to say it. You could ask the, the dumbest questions in the world, but you're engaged. Like you're engaged with them, uh, with a coach. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for engagement. They're looking for somebody that wants to know more. That seems like they have a genuine interest in what you have to offer. So um, that that's my answer to that question there, Casey. No, no, that's fantastic. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Um, that, 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 that's it, guys. You got to do your homework and be prepared. You, you, you want to go into a conversation with a coach knowing, knowing a little bit about that. If you get a text message or an email, it might, it might be okay to say, hey, wait, I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm going to look into this program and I'm going to see how they did last year. And I'm going to 
You know, I'm going to learn about their academic programs. I'm going to learn where that school is located. I'm going to do my research. So when I'm having a conversation with a coach, I'm not asking these basic questions and not that you're wasting his time, but this is your college career. This is your college recruiting. You have to put some effort into educating yourself and, and, and doing this. Right. So, um, have a, take, take the time, think about those things that, that, that matter to you the most, whether it's, you know, academic programs, whether that's, um, you know, the biggest scholarship or the, you know, you know, what, what, whatever it is, ask yourself those questions and, 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 and be prepared to talk to coaches. Um, yeah, and I Kate, do want Kate, to just to add one thing on Casey. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah, you you use the word and you use the term job interview. Um, yeah, look, everybody, players, you have one chance to make a first impression. It doesn't matter if you're college baseball. It doesn't matter if, like if you're interviewing to be a a you know trash man at a at a local uh, in your local municipal municipality, which there's everybody needs some really good trash men. Like God love you, absolutely, I appreciate you. Um, it doesn't matter if you're interviewing to be an assistant vice uh, president at, at, at a, a, you know, Fortune 5 um, company. Uh, you have one chance to make a first impression. So make it. Take the opportunity because that's what it is. It's an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great stuff. Division 2, um, earlier today too, Division 2 has a little bit different rules than Division 1. So what we've been talking Division 1, so what we've been talking about um, up until this point has mostly, you know, I mean, the, the, the asking the questions and being prepared to speak part applies to any level or anything in life. Like coach Pugh said, it's a, it's a job interview. So that applies across all, you know, every, every level of college baseball or anything that you do in life. But there are different rules from the different divisions. Division two is going to have different rules than division one, division three is going to have different division one and division two. So Coach Bray, I know you did a little homework earlier and you dove into the Division II um, rules. Can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, something that differs between Division II and Division I is just, uh, you know, time start earlier. So printed recruiting material, July 15th of the sophomore year, we can get start send it out. Telephone calls is June 15th of the sophomore year. Off-campus contact is going to be the same thing as the telephone calls, June 15th. So, you know, the recruiting for them might start, you know, later in some people's eyes, earlier in some people's eyes. But, you know, you are going to get the opportunity to talk to those coaches uh, earlier in your high school career uh, than you are at Division One schools. Yeah, so Division Two schools have been able to contact players um, in print since July 15th and telephone calls since June 15th. So a lot of you maybe have, have gotten some phone calls or some emails or um, if you haven't, doesn't mean you won't, but division two has been able to openly recruit since about the middle of the summer. Kowski here, the recruiting coordinator from Loris, which is a very good division three program in Iowa. They actually beat the university of Iowa, the division one, uh, last year. And, um, he's at a very good division three. Whoa, whoa. Did you have anything that you want to add, um, as it pertains to division three or anything else that we may have, uh, missed so far? Yeah, I, thanks for having me, guys. I, you know, I love I love what you guys do. I think it's a lot of a great information for these recruits and players to to have. But I think specifically at the Division three level, we're a little bit late process because we understand that guys that are sophomores and even the start of their junior year are really looking at higher levels, and we we understand that. But we try to get at our school 
as early as we can, we try to get out and watch guys and, and identify players that we want. And the biggest thing that I can say for recruits looking at colleges, whether it's at our level or higher levels, if you send personalized emails, we're going to respond. If you send a email clearly mass generated and you send it to every single coach, we'll respond if we're a guy if you're a guy that we think could play at our level and we, that we're really interested in. But if you're looking to get on schools radars, pick out ones that you're interested at at whatever level it is and start reaching out to those coaches and especially for us. I love when guys say, "Hey coach Woj, you know, I did some research on your school. I see you guys were a 32 win team last year, had a had a great year. You're ranked 15th in the nation at one point. I'm pumped about your school. What do I have to do to get on your all 10 times out of 10 to that kind of that kind of guy who's looking for looking for a school. And I think for me, if a guy's personally reaching out to me, I'm going to respond and I think that most coaches do that. So, if guys can get on that personal personal uh, email or personal communication to coaches, that's a that's a really good start for a lot of people. No, that's awesome stuff. Thank you very much for the contributions. Glad you could uh, join us tonight. Um, if there's anyone that's listening that wants to ask questions, there is the raise raise your hand there. We will take questions. Um, we're going over a lot of different stuff. Um, this recording will be available once it's completed too. So this isn't just a live um, thing. This will this uh, recording will be available once uh, this is completed. Um, another topic uh, Coach Bray and I were talking about earlier today is, you know, we're talking right now about specific deadlines in which coaches can ta- contact players. But, Coach Bray, how about you go into a little bit more about there's there, there's better times of the year, there's better days of the week, there's better times of the day where you can be reaching out to coaches. Like, responding on a Friday night is not the best time to respond to an email, right? Like, because I'm not checking my email until I get back in the office Monday morning, and by then I've gotten 100 emails, and your email probably got buried. You know, that happens a lot. So thinking about the timing in which you are responding to text messages and emails is, is important. Like, you don't want to do it on a, on a Saturday during the spring. Like, you're not going to get a response, you know? Um, so, Coach Bray, if you want to add in just, just you know, it, it's more about just timing, you know, on specific dates, but also just timing in the day, timing in, in the week. Um, what do you have to, yeah. to add to that? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think you know, me being a college coach and then, you know, everybody on the panel, uh, like I said before, we get, we're getting hundreds of emails all the time. So, you know, the best time to email a coach is, you know, maybe Sunday night going into Monday morning when, you know, the, the first thing I do when I sit down Monday morning, I go through all my emails. Um, some programs will have, you know, one of the assistant coaches checks all the recruiting emails, but every program I know is checking their emails Monday morning, trying to make sure they didn't miss anybody. It does happen. Cause like I said before, you might get three, four, 500 emails, you know, from the last time you were in your office till then, it's just, you never know, you know, and then also contacting coaches later in the day, you know, not only do coaches have practice, some coaches teach classes, you know, so, you know, anytime after one o'clock is going to be very, very tough to get in contact with a lot of coaches. Um, you know, I do know some coaches that are, you know, in the office checking email at the end of the day, but after 12, 13 hour day, we want to get home. Um, so, you know, I think mornings are definitely the best or late at night going into the morning. Cause you have a less, less likely chance of your uh, email getting buried. But yeah, I think Friday is really a, a bad time because, some coaches aren't checking their email at all. 
you know, especially when we're going into season, if we've got a big series coming up, my email is the last thing on my mind right now. You know, yeah, like you got to have recruiting on your mind all the time, but you know, what's in front of me is what most important. So mornings is great. Uh, going into the days are great. Um, and then, you know, you're cause and at night too, you know, that's when our phone calls are going to happen as well. So, you know, especially when we're doing email stuff, you know, set times is the best and, you know, being strategic about it. Like you said, yeah, and there is no magic time in which, you know, if you, if you respond at this time, you're guaranteed to get a response. I would say in general, it's better to do it in the mornings. That's a, yep. you know, in general, that is when coaches will be in their office doing more administrative stuff, phone calls, emails, recruiting. You know, in the afternoon, they're you know probably on the field or they're out watching games or tournaments, you know. So in general, mornings are, 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 are better. And if you want to avoid, you know, like Friday, Saturday, um, even Sunday, you know, not a lot of coaches are checking their emails on weekends. You know, they're 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 out watching games or they're getting ready for their own games or they're just not in their office. They're just they're just not checking their emails. So be strategic if you know in in, in the times that you do respond or the times that you do reach out to coach to try to maximize the amount you know your your, your chances of getting a response. And there is no perfect time, but you know, is Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. better than Friday night at 8 p.m.? Absolutely it is, you know. So think think about that, you know, when you're responding um, to a lot of these coaches as well. Um, any questions? If there's any questions, guys, please raise your hand or you could uh, DM the Sports Force uh, Twitter page directly. Again, this will be available um, as a recording afterwards as well, so you'll be able to take this and <clears throat> and uh, replay it if you wanted to go over some of this stuff all right here i'm gonna add our preston can you hear us preston you can go ahead and unmute yourself and oh. uh and if you have, have a question you can go ahead. okay my name is uh, trent seidel preston seidel is actually my son and we got contacted by a uh university uh the other day it was an email, you know, with personal contact information inviting us to a camp and also to fill out a question again. But whenever I looked up the coach, it was a volunteer assistant. Now, do the volunteer assistants get paid on how many people come to camps? Do they tend to send out more of just the cattle call ones? It was So it's very confusing to find out if this was legit or if it was just a cattle call. Because my son's only 14U you know, yeah. that's the picture. So I'll say this. And if coach Pugh, if you want to add on to this as well, I do think and coach Pugh touched on this a little bit early earlier. There are like I, the way I put it, there are two different types of camp. Events. You know, one is like a more um, personalized, you know, maybe you've already had some dialogue with the coach. Like, you know, I've already been in co contact with coach Bray for a few months and now he personally reaches out to me and invites me to a camp. Like that's a more personalized camp invitation there is also the one that probably gets sent out to a lot of people. You know, it, it gets sent out to wherever they got your contact information from. Um, and I don't know that that volunteer assistant was directly getting paid or not getting paid. Like yeah, I would say every school as far as that's concerned. But there are two different types of camp invites or at least two to two different categories. I kind of put them in. One is the personal one. The personal one is more valuable because there's already a little bit of dialogue with that coach versus the generic one that gets sent out to everybody. So, you know, what are some things that you can look for in, 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 in that? And I would say, 
have you already had some kind of dialogue? Is there a reason why your son would have already known that coach? Did they see him at a camp or did they see him at a tournament? Um, or does it look like he, he, he just got a generic to everybody, you know, you know, um, cause I would say this and just because you get those emails doesn't mean there's still not value in going to some of those camps. Every family has a different budget. Um, every family is at a different place in the recruiting process. If the money makes sense, like if it's affordable and it's, it's, you know, within a decent drive and you go, Hey, you know what, even though this is a generic one, I'd love to go see that campus. And I want the experience of being a part of a college camp. That's great. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but in general, a more personalized invitation to a coach or maybe you already have some dialogue with is probably the one that you're going to have get more value out of in terms of, you know, your recruiting. And if any of the panelists want to add in on that, please, it's a, it's a very, very interesting subject. And I think a lot of schools do it differently, you know, I'll jump in Casey. Cool. Um, so first and foremost, every coach at every college, I shouldn't say every and every, but the majority and the majority do make money off of the camps that they host. They, they all get some sort of cut from the camps that they host. Okay. So that in mind, I can tell you that in 10 years as a division one assistant coach, the only camp correspondence that I had with any prospective student athlete was someone that I was genuinely interested in. And I really wanted to either put in front of our whole coaching staff, or I wanted to see just a little bit more. Maybe I wanted to get them on our facility. Maybe I wanted to get them on campus. Um, but I wanted to see them a little bit more. I wanted to create an opportunity. At the Division One level, the vast majority of camp invites come from volunteers or director of whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, every all the cook staff gets a cut whatever they're, however that's chopped up uh, and that's decided upon by the head coach. Um, but yep. If, if you're getting a generic email from a volunteer, it's probably just a mass email. If you're getting a personal invite from someone that's on the coaching staff, that's genuine. Um, one way to tell is when you look at the email that came in, if there is any kind of uh, a, something that you can click, click on that says unsubscribe, that's general versus personal. Yeah, nope, that's, that's perfect. Well said. Thank you for uh, adding that. I hope that answers your question. We can't answer, you know, about that specific email, but I hope that gave you some information to help navigate, um, you know, that situation a little bit better. All right. We... Yes, it did. Thank you. We got another uh, question here. Chris, I'm going to add you as a speaker. All right, Chris, uh, you can unmute yourself and uh, go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep, we got you. <clears throat> Some of the questions I had was the same as the previous guy. I'm same deal. My son's a 2024. Uh, we hit some showcases here in Texas, uh, the latest one being at TCU. Uh, had a really good run, 
fastest kid there, six five six sixty, yada yada. All of a sudden, these letters start coming in. You know, like personal invites, what they're saying. You know, let's. I want him at this showcase. I want this showcase. One D one coach from here in Texas got his cell phone number in the dugout. Dugout. Um, haven't heard anything. My son emailed him. He emailed my son back, said, I want to see a couple video clips. This was, like I said, three weeks ago, so it's not, you know, obviously not September the 1st. So, and then haven't heard anything back from that. But same thing with what the, other, the last guy said, as I do, do see some, but then I also see from, like, assistant coach directly. And I've gotten three letters from one college out of Indiana, in Indiana, from the same, three different, you know, three different letters. So I'm like, is this real or was it? Did? You know, so I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's, that's my question. Yeah, no, it does. I, I, I get it. Camps and showcases is a whole other topic that we, uh, that we talk about sometimes. And maybe we'll do a whole Twitter space on camps and showcases because it is very hard to, to navigate, you know, they're endless. And there's not only schools that host them, but there's all kinds of private companies that host them. So which them? So which ones are the right ones to go to? And I, I would say, you know, what I tell people is start with a budget. How much money a year are you willing to spend on, call them camps and showcases, and then determine how to best spend that money, you know? Um, and sometimes the, the, the large mass emails can be made to look personal too, you know? So there's no perfect answer trying to navigate that. But if you go, hey, I'm willing to spend, what, $1,000 a year, now let's look at some of the schools and some of the camps that we're the, the most interested in and let's value the ones that are the personal invitations first because we think those ones are, the, are, are uh, you know, a little bit more genuinely interested. I think that's a good way to start because I don't, you know, it, it, I don't think it does anybody good to go to all of those things. So it's, it's, it's determining what's my budget and then what's the best way to spend that budget on some of these events that are, that are coming up. And um, Coach Bray, if you want to add it in too, I know if you get invited to these camps and these things all of the time, um, what advice would you have for someone that's trying to navigate and trying to find the right stuff to go to? Yeah, I think um, you said something that's extremely important, Case, in that, you know, budget, do your research. Research is going to be the biggest thing when you're going to camps. You know, uh, does it make sense for me to go to this camp? Does this certain school recruit people who are along the same athletic talents as my son or the same type of, of guys as my son? Um, you know, without, you know, identifying schools that make sense for you financially, things like that. So, um, I always tell people when we talk about camps is that, you know, what type of engagement have you had with the coaches or have you had interest? Have these coaches been at showcases you've been to, um, you know, cause, cause those type of, like coach Pugh said, those personal type invites are going to be your best, your best bets. So, um, like you've said before, Casey, you know, the personal ones are always going to be the best ones. The ones that kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm actually being invited to this place are the best ones to go to and worth the most money, I believe. Casey, real, real quick here. I got to yeah, hop go off. I got to hop off. But one thing I'll say before I go is, you know, we, we look at PBR and we look at perfect game and you go to those showcases. I think it's more important what you do after the showcase. And, you know, if you get a video link with a, with a PBR, are you sending that link to coaches and say, Hey, can you check out my, my film? But also it's important to think is, 
is your son or our player ready for that showcase? Because what will happen a lot of times is guys aren't ready, their arms aren't in shape, or they're not in shape, and they do poorly at the showcase. And now when I'm a college coach and I, I log on to your profile and I look at that video, you might be a better player than is on that video, but all I know about you might be that video. So when you go to those showcases, make sure you're ready for it. Make sure you show well. And if you do show well, then then send that video link to coaches and, and have them take a look at you. Thanks for having me, guys. I got to roll, but appreciate it. And that was helpful. Thanks. Thank Amen, you, Coach you, Amen. Amen. Yeah, so hope hope that, that answers your question a little bit. We got another uh, request here. Uh, Gabby, you have been added as a speaker. All right, Gabby, you have been added as a speaker, and you can uh, you can talk whenever you're ready. Hi, thank you. Um, my question is is that my son has he's a twenty. 20- 23 he's been in contact or a few d3 coaches have reached out and um and have been interested in him but also a few colleges that are just two-year colleges and i just want to know i'm just the the d3 ones are very they're usually you know they're private and they're more expensive and i'm just wondering i know the two-year colleges are less expensive i'm just wondering i i if the two-year ones are the money, I'm just worried that he like he wouldn't be able to transfer to another school after the two years. Yeah, good, good, good question. Coach Bray is uh, coached at two junior colleges now um, at Wabash Valley College and now College of the Desert. Uh, Coach Bray, you want to? That's a good question. You want to take that one? Yeah, of course. Um, of, of course, you know. I think, you know, let me, let me stop by saying, I think junior college is the, is the best route for everybody. That's just my personal opinion, but advantages of junior college and, you know, some, a question that always gets brought up is, you know, Hey, can my son transfer out of here? Well, here's the best thing about it is um, there's a lot of information available with any other JUCO to see what their, you know, their transfer rate is. So I would say nine out of 10 times, I, I mean, every junior college that I've heard of, gets guys to transfer out into four-year schools. Um, you know, what type of programs those are obviously are based off of the player's uh, athletic ability and academic ability as well. You know, um, so the main focus of a junior college is to move kids on to four years. And I think every junior college coach in America will say the same thing. Obviously, coaches want to win. Coaches want to be, you know, but – for, for our focus, at least, and every program I've been involved with, our main focus is moving our guys on. Um, you know, to what levels that are, like I said, that definitely depends on the player's athletic ability and academic ability. Um, and the other thing is, you know, back, you know, years ago, junior college was only for uh, kids to go to that had bad grades. And, you know, that is not even close to being true anymore. You know, I've been a part of programs where the team GPAs are 3.5 and we have 25 kids with 4.0s. So I I do believe junior college is an incredible route. I do think it's the best route. Um, That's just my personal opinion. But um, what it's going to do for players, it's going to open up so many more uh, avenues as well. Because obviously, you know, wherever you are in the country, a lot 
a lot of those might just be local or a little more local. Whereas if you go to junior college now, he can get opened up to anywhere in the country. So okay. I think and I'll, huge... and I'll add on to this too. Junior college, it can provide an opportunity. It's two more years for him to get bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic, you know, exactly. and, and the schools right. that are contacting him at his sophomore year of junior college could be a whole different level of school that might be contacting him now as a high school player. So, um, and then the other thing is, yes, junior college in general is much more full. Um, then that's not a, that's not an absolute, but like, for example, in California, kids, uh, uh, full time students in their first two years of junior college get to go to college for free. So you basically go into school for two years for free. So, and that's just California. Every state's a little bit different. Most junior colleges can offer scholarships and have lower tuition. Um, and then the other thing to think about is when you transfer from a two-year to a four-year, the degree that you get at the end of that fourth year is the same degree that that school for all four years. So meaning I can go from junior college to whatever, Lindenwood University, and I can get a bachelor's degree in business, and that's going to be that same degree that I, that I, that I get in two years than I would have got if I went to that four-year the entire time. So that's something to, to think about as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, because he's com- considering going for computer science, and I was just worried that, you know, maybe it wouldn't transfer over, he, you know. I was well, you would need this is probably something that's offered at most schools at this point. But so what you do in junior college is you take one year of general education, which is like math, English and elective history, you know, um, and then you choose your major. Like, so for me, I was a business major. So my second year, it was introduction to business, marketing, accounting. So if he wanted to do computer science, he would do general education that first year, just like everybody would. Year two, he would start taking classes in that degree, in, in the degree that he wants to pursue that will transfer and count as four-year credit. Yeah, no, that does make sense. It's just that, you know, like I said, some of the D3 schools uh, that we've looked up, they're usually about $50,000, you know, before aid. So that's a big difference. In yeah, price. It, is. it is. It is. And, and like I said, if you're not happy with that, and, and then, you know, junior college can provide two years of development. Like I would say any you know, young man that's playing college baseball is probably a little bit bigger, stronger if he's been working the way that he should when he's 20 years old than when he's 18 years old. If you're doing the weights and you're playing college baseball for two years, you should be better, you know, barring, you know, injury or something like that. And, 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 and I, it, it often opens up doors at the end of that second year that weren't open going into his freshman year. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. That that clears up a lot for me. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. We got another question here, Dennis. I'm going to add you as a speaker. All right. You're good to go. Dennis, you're muted there. There's a button on the bottom left. Um, There you go. Oh, gotcha. Oh, gotcha. I coach at Pittsburgh State University, and you were talking about junior college. You know, we recruit a lot of junior college kids and a lot of, you know, D1 guys that uh, kickbacks. You know, I'll tell you right now, junior college is the lifeblood D2 baseball. Simply, we, I, I really truly believe in it because 
it gives them more time. The NCA has cut a lot of time off, time off for everything. So if parents are worried about, you know, junior college and all that, it's a great place. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I've, I've been a recruiting coordinator at the Division II level and at a high level of NAI uh, baseball, and we invested more scholarship money in our in JUCO players because yeah. you just know what you're getting a little bit more. It's like that guy's college stats. He has a college coach that can say, hey, he's a good kid or he's not yeah. a good kid. It's just you just have more information to go off of and you feel a little bit better spending your scholarship money on a guy that's proven, you know? You're, you're right. You have better uh, better resume on guys. And – Again, I really believe that kids that go junior college level, and this is nothing against four-year guys and all that, there's more of a little toughness to them because, you know, obviously with the NCAA cutting every, you know, everything, these guys are able to develop better. You know, I'm not saying D2, we do a great job at it, but these guys, you take, it's not fair for an 18-year-old to go against, to try to compete against a 22, 23-year-old kid. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so I, I truly believe that. I, I really do. And we love our junior colleges here. I'm in Kansas. Uh, great rapport with everyone. Obviously, the nation, all that. We've got kids all, from all over, but Again, we don't. It's not like we don't take high school kids, but it is very hard because the game speeds up on kids and all that. Yeah, no, very good, coach. Thank, thank you very much for adding. I'm a big, big, uh, big JUCO guy. Also, like I said, when I was at the four year level, that's where we would invest most of our money for all those reasons you just said. So, thank you for bringing that point up. And also bring up the academic. Bring up that because the athlete academics we've got a lot of kids you get more money from academics than you will from baseball honestly that's a good point and to touch on that a little bit um for you for you baseball players that are listening right now whether you're a high school player a junior college player this literally is a job college baseball is a job and you're trying to earn your next scholarship and just like coach said a big way that you do that the easiest way that you do that is good grades Schools You're have right. more academic scholarship money that's just free money from you than any baseball team does. And, you know, think about this, too. If I know I'm getting a 4.0 uh, student and, and I know that that guy's going to be a great student, he's already getting $10,000 in academic money. Maybe that means that means I could spend a little bit less athletic because you're almost already going there for, for free, you know? Yeah. So, um, college baseball is a job and good grades gets you your next payday. You got to look at it like that. So good grades equals more scholarship money every time, everywhere, every school in America. Exactly. Cool. Thank you very much, coach. Appreciate the contribution. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. All right, we got another question here from Spencer. Spencer, I'm going to unmute you here. All right, Spencer, you should be good to go. You just got to unmute yourself. Yes, I was wondering, how do uh, college coaches look at a high school kid that's had Tommy John? Is that a deterrent, or is that something, if if he's worked his way back up, do they still feel like that's okay? A very good question. Coach Pugh, did you ever come across any kind of situation like, like that where you're, you're recruiting a high-end guy 
top of your list, but maybe he had a Tommy John and, and, and you did, did you ever have any kind of situation like that? Sure. Not necessarily Tommy John, but I've had a Lecronon flak, excuse me, fractures and, and things along those lines. Uh, but Tommy John specifically, um, the timeline that's involved with Tommy John surgery is so much different than when I had it back in 2001. Uh, at that point, it was 18 to 24 months of rehab, and now it's down to, it could be anywhere from 9 to 15 months um, on, on a good end of, of rehab. I think that Tommy John surgery is so cut and dry at this point because you're just replacing a ligament. Um, it, it, it's very cut and dry. There's some common... Um, misconceptions about Tommy John that you're automatically going to come back throwing harder, so on and so forth. Like those are misconceptions. That is a, a, an, um, but if it came down to it and I looked at a young man who had elbow complications and Tommy, Tommy John surgery versus someone that had shoulder complications, I'll take the Tommy John surgery every day of the week and twice on Sunday over someone who had shoulder issues. Okay, thanks a lot. Good question. All right, we got another one here, Chris. All right, Chris, you should be uh, should be good to ask. Muted there. <clears throat> you what? Yeah, we got you. Oh, okay. I just um, um, back to the JUCO stuff that y'all was talking about earlier. Um. <clears throat> What is your recommendation if you had a kid that's graduating high school with an associate's degree? And then going. That's a very, very good question. Don, did you. I'm in that boat. (laughs) That's a good boat to be in. uh, Great boat to be in. Good for you. Did you you have anything? I've never come across that situation before. I think it's a great question. Do you guys have anything to, to add to that? Um, do you, you want to go first, Coach Pugh, or you want me to take it? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's six one way, half dozen the other. Look, if you got an associate's degree already, like, at that point, you're going to start, we start talking about credit hours. And an associate's degree is equal to 48 credit hours at eight credit hours um, at a four-year school is basically through your sophomore year. Um, so, at you have to consider if you were to enroll in a junior college, what upper level courses do they offer that are going to be degree applicable at the four-year school? Um, because once you get through your sophomore year, and, and generally speaking, it could be thousands, it could be hundreds, but your freshman year, you start working on the hundred. Your sophomore year, you start with 200, the junior, so on and so forth, 300, 400, 500. Um, what upper level courses are they going to be able to offer that are going to be degree applicable to where you're looking to transfer if you go to a junior college? Um, if a junior college offers 300 level courses or 3,000 level courses, then you certainly look at that. But if they, I think if you've got an associate's, that means that you have already completed the 100 level, the 200 level courses. And that I, I just think that that changes your outlook on things from an academic standpoint. Yeah, that's what I'm that's that's what I'm running into. And the only other option would be if he could go play baseball at a D one and then go to JUCO 
and then come back to a D1. Am I, does that make any sense? Or it does. It it does. But once he enrolls in junior college, um, as long as you're in, as long as you are registered with the NCAA eligibility center, and you submit your transcripts, which at that point you would have to submit your transcripts for the high school. Uh, but you're doing dual enrollment right now would be is my guess. Um, you'll have to submit all those sorts of things. Um, you're still going to come into college and you would still have to meet the eligibility requirements based on where you are from a credit hour standpoint okay. is my understanding okay. of everything. So if you go to JC for a year, um, obviously if you got, you got your, your associates, you're going to be a quality, um, and you can transfer anywhere you want. You can stay at the JC for two years and you can transfer anywhere you want because you've already got your associate's degree or the equivalent of your associate's degree. Um, so it, like, it, that's a very unique situation. Um, generally speaking, those students that have already earned an associate's through a dual enrollment program in high school, um, with all due respect, they are generally not look, looking at junior college, but looking at high-end academic four-year schools. Um, so I have not run into that, but that is the way that the rule is that the rules are written, and that's what would have to take place. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes sense to me. And like Co- Coach Pugh said, if he's such a good student, he's probably going to be eligible for a full academic scholarship at most four years, too. So that's something to look into as well. That's the benefit of, you know, having like, we, you know, uh, we spoke about earlier is maximizing that amount of um, academic scholarship money you get. So uh, that might be a situation where like a, a division one or a division three aren't, aren't a bad route because he's going to get possibly that maximum amount of uh you know, of academic scholarship money. Right. Thank you. No. All right, Dennis, we got you back. Did you have something you wanted to add to that or anything else you wanted to, to say? Dennis, I believe you're muted if you're trying to talk right now. I'm not sure. I got you. I'm sorry. I'm stupid with this, with this stuff. But <laughs> you're doing great. But honestly, if he already has his associate, that means he's an academic kid. And, you know, a D2, D3 school, oh, he'll go to school for free if he's an academic school uh, academic kid. Does that make sense? With tuition and all that, that's awesome that he did that. Uh, Juco, obviously, I, I'll tell you right now, it'd be tough because what classes is he going to take, you know? And so, I'll tell you, I think, it, like you said, in D1, D2, D3, I mean, he could be qualifying for a lot of academic money, which, and the big thing is, honestly, let's talk about this. It's a big fit as far as finding what connection you have with coaches. You know, everybody wants to go big time and all that, but with the program, the coaches, and I always say with our guys when I recruit these guys is do you have a connection with a coach that you can come in if you have problems with a girlfriend or a family and you have a connection with those guys, you know? So 
anyway, but I thought it was awesome. I've never heard that. That's, that's that kid is pretty cool. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a good it's a good position to be in, and, and we all you know talked about it. Student, and he's getting that maximum amount of scholarship money. He's already ahead of the game, and and looking at high academic schools and and that kind of thing is kind of like like what what he's earned. You know. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. so that's the way I look at it. He'd be going to JUCO for two more years, and none of those classes would really mean anything. He'd just no, be going to school to go to school. Yeah, which, why not get after it now? You know what I'm saying? Get after it now. You've been getting after it so far. Keep getting after it. Yeah. So, and thank you again. I'll leave you guys alone, but I'll listen to you guys. No, I pre- we, pre- hey, we all appreciate your contribution, and, and you've been great. And we'd love to have you on again. I'll, I'll make sure I send you an invitation. You've had some great stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you guys. I'll talk to you later. Later. All right, guys. Well, we great, great night. A lot of information. Um, well, we said we wanted to wrap it up at about an hour, which is about where we're at. We will certainly, um, keep answering questions. Um, if you have them, um, also if you want to DM, uh, the sports Twitter, um, we can answer questions from there as well. Um, but this has been great stuff. We're going to try to do this once a week. We're going to try to cover a different topic each week. Um, and we'll always do open discussion for, for questions. Um, the whole goal of what we're doing is just to provide great education and, and, and try to empower people that are going through these uh, processes right now with the tools that they need to navigate their own college recruiting. That's kind of the goal in these. If, if, uh, if you learn one thing from listening to us talk, then this was was worth um, and that's that's all that we're trying to do empower the baseball you know the college baseball recruiting community to do everything they can to help themselves um, you know navigate your college recruiting it's not it's not easy and we sit up here and we have you know different answers from all of our different experiences and and um, and stuff that we've done in baseball um, and, and and you all hear you hear us all say some of the, the same things but a lot of different things too because it's there is no one perfect answer it's like so we can say all of these things, and the goal is you guys kind of pick out what you use to apply to your situation. Um, so, guys, thank you very much. Um, Coach Pugh, Coach Bray, uh, Coach Woj, who's not with us anymore, um, DM us your, uh, your questions. We'll still get back to you on DM. Coach Pugh, you want to wrap anything up? No, just wanted to say thank you, Casey. I think this was a great topic. Um, one of the biggest things for, for I think, most coaches, um, and, and I think it's really important for most players and families, is do you understand who you really are in this recruiting process and what your ability level is and um, what, what a good potential fit for you might be. Uh, if, if you are unsure and you're looking for – that honest, objective, third-party opinion. Um, you can DM myself or any of our other advisors, um, and, and you can set up a, uh, a consult um, where we'll look at video, we'll look at um, you know, metrics, all those sorts of things, and, and can set up a Zoom call with you and your family, uh, and, and we can go over what we see and, um, and give you our honest, objective opinion on where you might fit in. Uh, so um, you can DM me, you can DM the Sports Force account, you can DM any of us and, um, you know, we can send you links uh, to, to schedule that sort of stuff. So 
but that honest third party opinion, uh, unbiased opinion uh, is might be the best way to say it is honestly is the way to go. So if there's, if there's any interest in that, shoot us a DM and, and we'll, uh, we'll be happy to connect with you and your family. There you go, guys. Coach Puge, Puge, yeah, reach out to him. Um, he does one-on-one consultations. Reach out to the Sports Force page. Um, if you want him to di- dive in a little bit deeper on your individual situation, because everybody's situ- situation is different. So you can DM Coach Pugh. You can DM the Sports Force page. Again, the goal is to do these once a week, and we'll have a different topic each time. So thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being part of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast and our partner, Five Tool Baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Force BB and Facebook under Sports Force Baseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, it's a 40-year one.